the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, i got some serious quotes to think about today, about freedom. The secret of happiness is freedom. The secret of freedom is courage. Freedom, well, let's go, let's go down a little bit here. This is Albert Einstein on the next one. Freedom, in any case, is only possible by constantly struggling for it. That's Albert Einstein. And I also, I thought this was an interesting one uh, simply because of who it came from. <laughs> uh, well, it, it's from Coco Chanel. The most courageous act is to think for yourself aloud. And then from Ben Franklin, who's probably the most quotable person I know next to Yogi Bear. If we make ourselves sheep, the wolves will eat us. He was talking about the English. Maybe we should be talking about something else now. All right. Anyway, uh, you know, we always talk about this on the show, our, our web page. And if you go there, uh, it, all you have to do is go to WHK, actually, the 1420 The Answer. And uh, go down to local podcast to the Smart Investor Show. And it goes right to my web page, which is very convenient. So that way you can see what's on WHK and you can go to my web page. And there's a lot of good stuff there. And I, I, I highly recommend it. We, you know, somebody's asked me about asset allocation. I said, well, I'd put 50% in our um, all cap fund, which means our large, it has large cap, small cap, mid cap, you know, the whole kit and caboodle, and 50% in our, our dividend growth portfolio. <laughs> That's asset allocation. I think it's good asset allocation. Anyway. We have our dividend growth portfolio that you can get. You can get our prime income list, our all-cap fund, our top ideas, both small cap, mid cap, and large cap, and ADRs. I'm starting to see some of these work a little bit. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, we had a, a, a little thing happen this week uh, with with an English uh, um, drug company. We'll talk about that uh, coming up here. Also, if you go to Insights, uh, which is at the banner, uh, the, you know, there's some things about Brexit. There's a lot of things about ESG investing. That's environmental, social, and governance investing. It seems to be a popular thing these days. Um, we'll see. <laughs> uh, you can also get our Business Owner's Guide to Transition Planning. If you're going to sell your business, first of all, don't go private equity. I'm telling you, you can get a lot better price in most cases than private equity. They're trying to uh, get it cheap. But we also have the Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook. Uh, women in wealth, you know, a planning guide. Uh, you know, there's a lot more. I'm talking to a lot of ladies these days, and and um, you know, they know what they want. They're smart people. Uh, and I, I give them uh, all the confidence in the world. But it's a great book if you if you're just getting started. Um, you know, it's something that you could you could uh, probably uh, use to just get uh, you know get where you're going. All right. Uh, anyway, the uh, I guess the key is is that uh, it's all available to you if you like. Uh, you, you hit the contact me, email me, whatever it may be. And uh, uh, I, my computer just screwed up, so uh, bear with me for a minute. I, <laughs> uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I can't do I can't print anything at my house, uh, so it's it's a little bit more difficult sometimes. And uh, well, first of all, I was uh, let's talk about. Uh, uh, Lori Calcivina and uh, Lori was talking about this week. Uh, one of the things that she's seeing, and what they're, t- you know, one of the reasons that the small cap growth stocks have not been participating with the, you know, the market overall, 
is that, you know, they led the way when our good friend, uh, Mr. Trump, uh, cut tax. And uh, so it affected them the most. All right. So it was one of those things where, um, you know, all those software stocks, remember, we, we really uh, hyped up the software for, for a pretty long time. Uh, we talked about our, uh, you know, we had that great meeting where we recommended all these software stocks. And, and I'm telling you, CrowdStrike, you know, they all went crazy. Um, it, it was absolutely amazing how crazy they went, by the way. So, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But um, what, what he's talking about now is, or what she's talking about is, you know, the fact that they're taking some of those tax privileges away. And, um, you know, that's, that can be a, a bit of a problem. All right. So, um, you know, it, it's something that I think that uh, people have to take into account. Uh, if you're in these small cap growth stocks, they are no longer going to get uh, the extra kick from tax reform. So, um, and by the way, you know, investors have been kind of fretting about higher taxes, uh, you know, for basically uh, most of the year. And although companies aren't saying a word about it, uh, they, they took a poll and almost 70% of the companies out there suggested that a, uh, a change in the tax rate from 21% to 28%, uh, you know, could hurt, uh, you know, especially hiring. And, and the, tax, the Trump tax rates got us going. I mean, we got down to 3%. Uh, uh, you know, unemployment. So that's uh, that's what's interesting. But the other thing is, um, you know, look, a lot of stealth side analysts will likely uh, try to get companies to comment on Biden's infrastructure goals and tax plans and stuff like that. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if if uh, we get that. But if if we review the transcripts of the Russell three thousand S and P five company uh, five hundred companies from the past weeks on earning calls, conferences, and other forums, uh, they see what they've been saying on the on the tax uh, comment that the commentary has been mostly limited to positive remarks on infrastructure no comments about uh, overall taxes uh yet 98 percent said that an increase in corporate taxes would uh significant had significant adverse effects on their competitiveness so it should get really interesting now we're heading into uh earnings season and so far 79 percent of the companies have beat How's that? All right. Um, you know, I was looking at the, the macro world and a couple things. Uh, consumption as a, a percentage of GDP is now 67.6%. Uh, and the quarterly GDP growth is has jumped up. You know, it jumped, it jumped up big, uh, up to almost 30%. And now it's back down to four. Uh, it also went down to 30, <laughs> down 30%. Uh, last year too, for obvious reasons. So it'd be interesting. Uh, I forgot this is a live show. If you have any questions on what we're talking about, the number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Now, the other thing, the unemployment rate, which had got down to 4%, uh, went all the way up to 16%. It's back down to 7.1%. So what the Federal Reserve did was very positive. Um, you know, I'm I'm not going to give Congress as much credit because I I don't I think uh, the stuff they put out was uh, I don't think they helped the American people as much as they should have. But the personal savings rate it had just skyrocketed up to 30 percent last year, and now is it still at 13.6 percent, which is the highest since 2001. All right. Also, household debt is at the lowest level it's been since 1997. So as a percentage of the of the disposable income, it's at 54%. What's also interesting is the median home sales price, which is, you know, it's it, it's a big portion of people's savings, is is up 15.7% uh, this year. And it is very close to where it peaked back in 2004 and, and six. I, I think this might be a little bit different because we're starting off. What's really important, I think, is the business outlook. If you look at the Philly Fed, uh, it's up to 51.8%. That's very bullish. Uh, we haven't seen that number in a long, long time. Also, if we look at the expectations, they're they're up to 91.2%. That's the highest it's been uh, in a pretty long time. Um, now, the current is only 86, which is still down 
from where it was, but the expectations are up there. Um, what's really interesting is inflation, inflation expectations. Um, if we look at consumer price index, year-over-year growth, it's only 1.3%, but the five-year uh, forward uh, inflation expectation is more like 2.1, 2.2. So we'll, we'll see um, what's, you know, that might have some interesting things going on. Now, one of the things we look at in the equity markets is the P.E. ratio. And like I said, the, the past P.E. ratio is 43. The forward P.E. ratio is still 22. That's, that's a pretty high number. So it'll be interesting to come back. But whenever somebody tells you, hey, you got to get out of the market, you should be scared to death of the market, whatever. Remember, in the last 100 years, there have been 71 positive years. And there's only been 11 years where we had more than a double-digit decline. Okay, so we had 25 years that were, were down. We had one year that was down 50%, that was 1931. We had 2008 and 1937 that were down 30 to 40%. And then we had 20 to 30%, 2002, 1974, 1930. And then uh, down 10 to 20% was 2001, 1973, 1976, 1957, 1950, uh, 41. The rest of the time, we were down about 7 to 9%. Uh, so 25 of the 71, so 71 years positive and only nine more than double digit, uh, you know, sell-offs. So as long as you're not using margin, okay, you're not, you know, uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're not leveraging yourself up to the hill, you're in pretty good shape with the equity markets, okay? So anyway, that's just uh, some macro stuff. So somebody asked me about, you know, asset allocation, and I, uh, like I said, uh, my as current asset allocation, I'd be 50% all cap growth and 50% in the dividend growth portfolio. Um, however, you know, what our, our stance is, is we think you should underweight fixed income uh, and the duration positioning should be in the low end. All right. Uh, and our investment grade portfolio, we would, we would lower that too. global equities. We would overweight as in large cap U.S. large cap, too. Uh, regional allocations such as small cap and mid cap, we'd have, you know, uh, uh, a certain amount in there. So uh, basically what, you know, we're talking about is 10% cash, 10% bonds, and, and duration is important, you know. So, you know, mutual funds are kind of a scary way to play uh, as far as I'm concerned because uh, I can tell you some stories about Ginny May funds. But then we'd have, uh, so we have, that's 20%, so we have 30% global equity. Then 50% domestic equity with about 10% in mid caps and 10% small caps. So that's uh, that would be our asset allocation for now, anyway. Um, you know, I, uh, oops, wrong one. <laughs> Bob, uh, uh, Rob Schleimer, who is now our technical analyst because our dear friend Bob Dickey retired. He's a great guy, boy. You know, what I thought was interesting is, uh, you know, we, if you start to look at the cycles, you know, he talks about these 17-year cycles, and usually it's 16 to 18 years. I don't know, 17 is close enough. But he thinks it started in 2017. And if that's the case, we've got a long way to run, folks. We've got 13, 14 more years of a structured bull market. Now, you can have last year's in there. I mean, remember in in the structural bull market of the 80s, we had 1987, and then we had uh, 1990 when Saddam Hussein rolled into town. So, but the general trend is up. And by the way, if you would have sold in 1987, you would have missed out on seven times more of your money. So these big bull markets usually are 10 times from the bottom to the top are 10 times your money. All right. So that's kind of interesting. What I also think is interesting is we're looking at we're looking at bonds. And, and actually, the actual bond now, bond prices go down when interest rates go up. And what we saw was the TLT, which is kind of a, a bond substitute, it's an ETF, was as high as 171. It's now at 134. So this is going through a 40-year bull market, okay, which is a good deal. I mean, you know, bonds, deflate, we've had a deflationary scenario for 40 years is what it comes down to. So, um, but it, it undercut. But it's held this 134 area, 134 and a half, actually. So it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, uh, have bonds bottomed. I mean, it looks like a major double bottom to me. The other thing, 
know, I've talked about software and I've had several questions from you folks out there on software. And I want you to know that, you know, I talked about this back in 2018. You know, we were in the depths of the market and I said, this was some of the best stuff I've seen in a long time. You should call in for this report. I had some people call in for it. Uh, I'm not, you know, I got a little weary of it because uh, it was going up so much uh, in the fall. But it looks like we've held support here. So it'll be interesting to see if these software companies can hold. It'll be, I think, uh, very interesting. Um, now, we also have, uh, uh, hold on. Uh, you know, we were looking at, you know, uh, some uptrends that were intact. And, and uh, you know, look, stocks remain in an uptrend to bonds. That's important. The advanced decline re line re remains positive. So we don't have anything right now that's telling us that, you know, we're worried or anything like that. Uh, and the other thing, I guess, is the question is, what about bonds? Remember, we talked, I want to say, six weeks ago about if we broke 185, we'd probably go to 2.1%. And we didn't break 185 on the upside. So we got to one, you know, 171, 172. So is this a pause under 180, despite a very robust CPI report? Or is it the beginning of a peak? And look, the relative strength is beginning to peak at some overbought levels here. And, uh, you know, in the... In, I'm talking about yields now. Okay, I'm looking at yields, not the bonds. So the question is, you know, look, here's what I'm starting to see. I'm, start, you know, small cap growth diverged from large cap growth in April, and um, so we're we're not seeing the relative strength versus the S and P 500 that we saw earlier. That's that's kind of worrisome, you know, if you're into small caps. Um, but I guess the the uh, the key is here is you know where do we go from here? Okay, and uh, you know that that's a that's a tougher uh, scenario than uh, you know where we where we're going. All right. So anyway, I, last week I talked about uh, millennials and you know four keys to your financial future. Just real quick. And by the way, if, if you'd like, we do have this uh, new you know guide for professional professionals. Okay. If you're a professional, you probably want to get this thing because it's a great guide to hey how I can save money. Uh, I had a lot of I had, like whole bunch of people call in for it last week and it's you know contact me email me we don't harass you okay we we set you up on our email list if you want and uh, you know our newsletter list but the first thing i think i would do if i was a millennial is divorce from debt now debt is something millennials will become pretty well acquainted with and if you look at the new york federal reserve the generational crisis is one trillion dollar debt but it's not due to home ownership or credit cards it's due to the millennial uh it's due to student loans, okay? Uh, so if you can get rid of those, that'd be the best thing, uh, you know, because it's 18 years is the average length of a student loan payoff. That's that's tough, right? So that's the first thing you want to deal with. The second thing is save for the future, both far and near, all right? Uh, you know, you put a little bit away each week. Manage your expenses. One of the largest expenses for, for millennials is health care. Try to get a health care plan going. And review your plan. Review it and review it and review it. Hey, let's take a break. Uh, this is Smart Investor Show. Remember, you can call in here. It's 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. And it burns, burns, burns. The ring of fire. The ring of fire. Okay, we're back. Uh, just tuned in to the Smart Investor Show. And, you know, this is kind of a, an unusual year. So we go back at 365 years, and we had the most, one of the most dominant stretches. It was probably the best 365-day stretch since World War II for all the indices in the markets. Also, if you, know, if you put together the streaming services from the biggest media and tech companies, it would now cost you $92, which is about the same subscription as cable. <laughs> but we do have Ron on the line. Ron, how are you? Very good. Thank you for for taking a call. Here's here's up? here's the story. I'm in my 60s, and and everybody you know that will tell you, oh, when you are getting close to retirement, you get into bonds for a more stable portfolio. But 
in a few years when I do want to be able to use that money, um, I'm buying it now because the yield is good. But when I want to use it, I'm hoping that the value goes down so that my yield is better. I, I, I just don't get it. I need an education. <laughs> well, it, as yields go up, bonds go down. Okay. So the question I have for everybody out there, uh, we're, we've been in a 40-year bull market for bonds, Ron. Okay. We've been in a deflationary scenario, mostly because okay. of technology and and. And also, you know, collateralized debt obligations kind of brought the, the housing market down. Okay. So the question The value is, of the bonds are going down. They have, Correct. they've Did been I going straight right? up. They, they've been going straight up since 1982. Oh, just basically. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. You know, so look, at, uh, I, I remember when I first started in the business, Johnson Johnson's bonds, you know, and they're, they're the best, the highest rated bonds in the world still. Okay, uh -huh. are better than the U.S. government. We're trading sixty cents on the dollar. Okay, so the problem is, is there any inflation? All right. Now, if you look at the Commodity Research Bureau index, it peaked in two thousand nine and went down eighty one percent. So, if there's inflation, bonds mm -hmm. are not a place to be. Bonds are a deflationary asset. Now. In my humble opinion, uh, you know, bonds can could be dangerous. Sure, uh, that's look, why I call. Yeah, if if the Federal Reserve, uh, you know, continue, I mean, they're talking about they want inflation. Sure, that's what they, you know, that's basically what they said. So, do you want a deflationary asset in an inflationary environment? I don't know. I can tell you this. I mean, something's weird. Because they want inflation, yet bond yields are, are you know coming down a little bit. And what I'm seeing is utilities rally. You know, utilities were the best performer last week. They're a bond surrogate. Uh, staples are looking good. You know, what's that all about? You know, you would think yeah. you know we, we had a big move. We had a big big move, and 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 we called this last summer on. Uh, you know, we talked about the epicenter stocks. We had a big move in those stocks. Now, are they going to pause for a while? I don't know. But I think, it, look, we're, I think bonds are going to, the yields are going to stay down longer, okay, uh, mm -hmm. this time. It's going to be a while. Uh, now, remember that the 30-year Treasury's average return is 3.85% over the last 100 years. It's at 2.3, so it's still below where it is. But you're right. Mm -hmm. If interest rates go up, your bond prices are going to go down. So I mean, there, people there has, like, if you're saying like utility stocks might be a better complement than just in general speaking, than say. Yeah. Have, have ah, you ever got our dividend growth portfolio? No. You know, that's a great idea because, you know, look, uh, Procter Gamble last week raised their dividend 10 percent. Procter Gamble's a darn good company. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so if you get a portfolio of those and there is inflation. Then you have, mm -hmm. you know, if, if stocks are an inflationary asset, okay? Right. So you have right. a stock that's going up, and you got a dividend that's going up. Right. Right. Uh, you that, just, that you just got to pay attention to, to them. Yeah. Uh, that, that like I said, you know, somebody asked me about asset allocation. I said, put fifty percent in our dividend growth portfolio and fifty percent in our all cap portfolio. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, wow. Okay. I, I, I'm not a big bond fan right now. And I, by the way, yeah. I used to do a lot of bonds. Back in the in the nineties, I did a lot mm -hmm. of bonds. I mean, tons of them. Uh, and so, but I just, I, I, I think if you're going to do bonds, Ron, what you want to do is a laddered portfolio or a barbell mm -hmm. portfolio. And if you don't know what those are, mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't be messing around with bonds. I wouldn't be buying mutual yeah. funds for sure. Okay. Yeah. It, it just that that instinct of like bonds just don't make sense. I don't know it well enough, but I'm I'm confusing myself and and can be sold easily, I guess. But I want to be sold properly, not for um, the wrong yeah. purpose. Well, you know, wow. you you're you're my straight man today, Ron, because I was my next comment was, have we seen the top in, for yields yet? And right. Uh, my answer is I don't know. I think this might be a tactical top. 
not a top forever. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, right. right. The, the Fed continues to push back against the idea of, of raising rates. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't. I mean, Powell's. You know, maybe he just wants to be chairman another term, but uh, he is pushing against raising rates at all. He said it like five times in a row now. So. Anyway, something to think about, Ron. <laughs> well, thank you very thank much. You thank you. All right. Have oh, a great thank day. Thank you. Take care. Mm-hmm. Bye. And, and by, the, by the way, that's a big question. Uh, you know, have we seen the top in rates? And, uh, you know, on a tactical basis, I would say yes. But look, you don't play cards with the Federal Reserve because they know your hand. All right. Don't be dumb about this. You know, <laughs> if they want, you know, uh, rates to, to stay down, they're going to stay down. If they want inflation, they're going to get inflation. Trust me on that, okay? And if the Federal Reserve chairman, who's been talking about inflation now for about three, four months, says he wants inflation, there'll be inflation. I guarantee it. <laughs> There's very few things I'll guarantee on this show, but I'll guarantee you if the, what the Fed wants, the Fed gets, okay? Simple as that. It might take a while, but uh, now, you know, one of the things that we're seeing, and I think uh, – this is another area that kind of interests me a little bit, but we're, we're year two of COVID, okay? And we're seeing a widening gap between Europe and U.S. as, you know, the, the Europe has a very lethargic back vaccination process, and the stimulus and, and less intermediate firepower are pretty much hamstringing Europe's economic recovery. But we think the growth will pick up, and... Um, you know, I, I think, well, you know, based on what I'm seeing, um, they navigated through the first part of the crisis fairly well. But, now, you know, now I think they're having some problems because some of their vaccines have some question marks on them. And so it, it'll, it'll probably be like a delayed recovery. All right. Um, and if you look at like Germany, France, the euro area, Italy, uh, Spain, you know, they're they're back up, but they're not back up as much as the U.S. is. And I think if you look beyond 2021, um, you know, their problem right now is is their failure to provide an adequate vaccine program. Um, It's taking toll in European uh, politics for number one, but, uh, you know, know, I I think you want to market weight in those European, uh, you know, stocks, and we'll see what happens going forward. But, uh, um, you know, we'll take it from there. Now, um, there's a couple things I I, uh, I saw that I, I thought was kind of interesting. Um, number one, natural gas. Looks like it made a double bottom this week. Uh, I'll leave that at that. And and I guess the other question is the XLK, which is the technology ETF, and I, there's several of them out there. Can they hold or can they participate with that Apple and Microsoft? Because they don't seem to be doing much. Um, I also wanted to do a thing about children and your money, but I don't have time. And then the other thing I, I did see is I the a lot of the base metals are starting to break out. All right, uh, so uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, if that continues because um, you know, I, you know, I could, I talked about copy, copper being uh, very important, and you know, we we talked about copper breaking out and going crazy. Uh, it's not pulling back at all. And the most bullish thing that uh, someone can do is when they go up, it goes sideways. Remember, utilities led the market last week. Okay, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. A mind that's weak and a back that's strong. You load 16 tons. What do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. Okay, we're back. Jimi Hendrix to get us started today. Uh, you know, I, I just had two questions via email uh, about Coinbase, and uh, I, I really can't comment about it because we don't really follow it. So uh, I will say this. If you look at Bitcoin, it's up 116% this year, year to date. That's a lot. Now, I, I made two comments about Bitcoin in my career. Number one, somebody called in and said it was the easiest money you made, and I said, yeah, but it was parabolic. 
I was back in 2016. It got killed. It was 2018, I guess it was. It got killed after that. And then it was down to 3,500, uh, 3,400. And then I said, it's not going down. It's a very positive sign. It's not going down any further. Now, I will say this. The uptrend line lies at about 9,900. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that's, that's not good uh, at all. Um, so you, you probably want to be, you know, just a little bit more careful with it. All right. Uh, I, I don't buy and sell Bitcoin. We're not allowed. So I just, I'm just throwing out some ideas there. Um, so the bullish percent, let's talk about that because that's what we talk about every week. And it's our main risk guide. Okay. Remember this, this, this was designed by a, a gentleman who wanted to be bearish at the top and bullish at the bottom. Okay. So he set up a point and figure chart, which is X's and O's. And basically all this is, is the number of stocks that are on point and uh, figure buy sig signals versus sell signals. When it gets over 70, that's the red zone. That's when everybody's talking about their portfolio. Everything's good. That's when you should be looking over your shoulder. Okay. That's when you should be frightened. When it gets below 30, that's uh, when things are washed out. I remember last spring, you know, about this time, I said, we got the five. It was the lowest reading I can remember in my career. and. Uh, it was one of the greatest buying opportunities. You would be up 150% if you bought then, okay? So it's one of those things. Right now, uh, by the way, if we're in a column of X's, we have the offensive team on the field. Uh, the higher we go up, you know, the more you want to control the ball. You want to hand off to the fullback, you know, that type of thing. You don't want to be throwing the wrong pass. We get in a column of O's, that is distribution. And believe me, distribution happens faster than accumulation now. Just because you go into a column of O's doesn't mean you have to sell every stock you had. Back in 2008, I said that the money market would outperform the stock market. And the reason I said that is because domestic equities were the lowest form of life on the relative strength scale. Right now, they're the number one form. Okay, So you don't have to panic. But what you want to do uh, if we turn and go south is, is simply this. You want to look over your portfolio. See what you still love and what you don't like. But we're at 70 right now. We're in a column of X's. So we're up there. Now, what we've been seeing is a series of lower highs. Started at 80, went to 60. Then we went up to 78, went back to 60. Then we went to 77, we went back to 60. We went to 76, we went back to 60. Now we're at 70. So if we were to turn over and go south again, that would be another lower high. I suggest we probably go to 72, 74, see what happens. But we're in a column of X's, so you do have the offensive team on the field. You just want to be careful what you do. You know, don't chase stocks, buy them on pullbacks. All right. Uh, you know, maybe look at some stocks that, you know, you've been wrong on. Okay. Look, everybody's wrong in this business. It's just how you handle being wrong. It's important. Uh, the over-the-counter index uh, is at 55. It's, it's in a column of X's. It was down one and a half percent this week. And the world index did, you know, I said last Friday, uh, last Saturday, I thought a Friday, the world index turned up in a column of X's. It did. So it was a positive week. Uh, you know, we were up 1.7%. I am seeing a lot more red than I am seeing green on my screen. Okay. Uh, and so here we're going up and I'm seeing more red than green. Something's wrong there. You know, uh, we did see movement in the high low index. Uh, they're all up. The, the, the high the New York stock exchange sits at 92. One of the highest I can remember. And, and, and all of them, you know, the, all indexes combined were 84, and the over-the-counter was a 74. So we're, those are pretty high numbers. And I think, you know, um, some of the growth-oriented uh, uh, funds did much better this week. Uh, but I did notice that utilities were, you know, I mean, the technology sector is up about 3% this week. They have been getting killed, Okay. And, but the utility sector was the leader, and the energy sector is the leader for the year, which we kind of said would happen uh, at the beginning of the year. Uh, but energy held, you know, uh, 47 and a half, I think is kind of the, you know, a, a very good uh, support area for the XLE anyway. Uh, I do see within the XLE, there are stocks that I really like, and there's stocks I don't like so much. <laughs> so it's probably buy, better to buy the individual stock, which I found with a lot of ETFs. The individual stock does better uh, and is easier to follow. But, uh, you know, we, we've had negative um, momentum in the emerging markets for about nine weeks now. That stands out to me as maybe there's a turn coming there. 
And same with the uh, small cap index. You know, we haven't had the follow through in the small cap index uh, as compared to large cap index. Now, the Dow has been positive for seven weeks. That's been the place to be. It's been mostly the larger names. And the XLG and the uh, QQQs just went positive, as did the Spiders, which are the S&P 500. Uh, these are all capitalization weighted. All right. So the bigger names are working. The smaller names are not. So it's come down to. All right. Um, one of the things that I think is really interesting is I was looking at uh, the small cap index and it's got some serious support at 104. You know, and I'm just looking at the IJR now. OK, uh, that's the S&P 500 small cap index. So it's got to kind of hold that 104. And if it does, I think, you know, but, by the way, the the support line is down to 77, which would be a pretty big uh, whack. Uh, but the QQQs broke out double top, and, uh, which is positive. Uh, and I'm, I'm seeing the same thing with the XLG, the, the spiders, uh, you know, those type of names. So it's just the small caps that are not participating. The equal weight uh, index has been really positive, and it's been doing it with poor momentum. So it's been the bottom end of, uh, you know, the S&P 500. Because uh, these, you know, the equal weight is one one vote per stock, uh, so it's gone straight up uh, since it bottomed back in uh, March. So, uh, not sure, you know. So it's been the larger stocks, the top 500, that have been doing well, especially the bottom end of the 500 have been done really well. We have 14 sectors that are positive this week. Uh, they're favored. We should we should say they're favored, and a lot of them overbought. So I'll just start with the most overbought banks. Savings and loans and buildings are at 84%. That's really up there, folks. We want to be careful. Chemicals, insurance, and restaurants are at 76. That's up there. Gas utilities, forest and paper products, aerospace, and semiconductors at 70. That's the red zone, folks. Uh, so those are the names I'd probably I'd wait on them. Uh, oil service, textiles, and steel are at 60. A little bit better. And then leisure is at 54. Uh you know, I, there's definitely some ideas there that you want to probably participate with. M mostly, I have a lot of unfavored sectors. So right now, I have uh, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 21. 21 of the 40 sectors are unfavored. Uh, so that's not, a, you know, usually a good sign. You, you have more unfavored sectors than favored sectors. So something to think about. Um you know, like I said, I'm seeing more red than green. I'm going to talk about insiders uh, coming up here, so we'll we'll talk about that. But I, I had a lot of things go unfavored, like non-ferrous metals, machinery, uh, went to, and waste management, which was just completely out of it, has turned back up. Transportation went to average, and restaurants, which were most favored, uh, fell down and kind of died. Um, you know. Uh, I, I was looking at emerging markets, and, and I, I the EEM has gained about 3.23% this year. And, uh, you know, it, look, it brings a trailing one-year return to about 60%. So it's, it's not been a bad place to be. Uh, I was in a little bit early, uh, but I'm still up like 33% on it. And I, I think it's, it's still going to go farther. So we'll find out what happens uh going forward with that but it's 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 kind of a thing that uh you have to be paying attention to but you know i i'd still say you know when you're in the bond market uh if ron's still listening um not all bonds are created eagle like i said you know bonds right now convertible bonds look good also uh you know the high yield bonds look good although they're you know they're kind of like a, a stock surrogate and then uh senior loans for some reason, are picking up, and also preferred stocks. And if you can find a convertible preferred, those are really doing well. So uh, for those people looking, you know, I, I looked at um, uh, some of the momentum in the commodities, and crude oil has been negative for five weeks. Gold's been positive for three weeks, but no real price movement. And and copper's been negative for four weeks. So copper and, and oil are the really economically sensitive type scenarios. And corn, which... Uh, I think corn prices are going to go up pretty high, but they're, they're positive for one week. They're, they held, during a negative period of momentum, they held their price, which that's a very, you know, if, if you're having negative momentum and your price holds, that's very, very positive scenario. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, the core CPI uh, has increased 9.1% in gasoline prices, okay? So 
to see oil negative, that's kind of a weird thing. But uh, we are we are seeing some very interesting things now. Look, uh, I looked at silver and gold, and, and you know, gold looks like it's bottomed and is about to break a double top. I don't know; it's, it's still below its downtrend line, so it's not a solid citizen. And silver broke down hard this last week, um, so the uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of a tough tough for all you precious metal guys. The other thing I noticed is the amount of silver needed to purchase one ounce of gold is at a low. Uh, yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> It goes back to, to you know, 2016. Um, you know, it, we haven't seen it this low. So the interesting, you know, given that gold is one of the most recognized safe havens uh, assets among investors, and copper is usually in high demand during times of economic expansion, a climbing ratio or the copper-gold ratio uh, uh, is very positive. And, and the, the copper-gold ratio, copper is winning. <laughs> and then finally, uh, just a couple relative strength uh, names. On the buy side is a lot, which is communication services, Oxford Square Capital, United Therapeutics, Navient, Santander, uh, and on the sell side, Aero, Pharmaceuticals, BioCrest, Endo International, they're all biotechs, 3D uh, Corporation, Johnson & Johnson, and PC Connection. Hey, we'll be right back with uh, Insiders. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. Once again, 216-901-0945. You know the day destroys the night, night divides the day. Try to run, try to hide, break on through to the other side, break on through to the other side. Sounds like my kid. <laughs> anyway, uh, remember, if you go to WHK 1420 and uh, go to local podcasts down for the Smart Investor Show, you can get all the stuff that we talked about, our top ideas, our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list. Um, also, you can listen to all my past shows. So if you think I'm full of baloney, you can go take a look. Our small cap index uh, you can go to my uh, to Insight, which is one of the things up there. And pretty soon, under Bulletin Board, uh, Bob Dickey will be replaced by Rob Schleimer. And uh, they're two different people. You know, uh, Bob was growth at a reasonable cost, and Rob Schleimer is more of a trend and cycle type guy. So, uh, matter of fact, that's uh, his stuff is trend and cycle. So he's he's uh, uh, it's different, but he's. He's just as good. I mean, uh, there's, uh, you know, both of them have won more awards than I can. Uh, I don't have room in my house for the awards they've won. So, um, but also don't forget the business owner's guide to uh, transition planning. We have uh, money matters for young professionals, savvy investors, credit workbook. We have women and wealth at planning workbook. Uh, we, we have all sorts of stuff that's available. We had a lot of young professionals call in for the money matters last week. So, uh, uh, or, Send in, shall we say? Um, take it from there. Anyway, we talk about insiders, and uh, you know, some insiders. We had some interesting stuff going on here. First of all, there's a company called Cairo Farm, which we have a report on if you'd like it. Where we had um, they they have a pill based melanoma product, and I think they're going to get. Uh, you know, our analyst seems to think that they get uh, multiple melanoma. Let's hope they do. But um, there's seven insiders that bought between uh, 23 and 114 thousand shares. Uh, which is quite a bit uh, just this last week. Uh, and the stock's really been hit hard from 18 down to 10. Um, also, GlaxoSmithKline, big dividend yield on this thing. Elliott Management took a $2, trillion, a $2 billion stake. That ain't chump change, folks. And Elliott Management, uh, you know, if you follow some of these activists, sometimes you can make some good money. And then Will Hyman there, uh, which is, is, this is a tough one. WHLM is the symbol. Um, there's two gentlemen that bought 42% of the float, um, and they are they take bankrupt companies and turn them around. So that'll be uh, very very interesting to see if that happens. Uh, then we have a couple other names that these are. Um, here's one that's very interesting. It's a utility. Uh, John Wilder is a director, and uh, it's called Evergy, um, and it's at a new high. And he bought $113 million worth of stock. 
That's really interesting. Then we have a company that that uh, Stonemore, and I, I've been seeing this on my charts, a little $2 stock, but uh, Andrew Axelrod, who's the director, bought $12 million. You have 5 million shares. So that's for you guys who like, uh, <laughs> um, you know, $2 stocks. Uh, also, people keep asking me about these acquisition things and Panacea Acquisition Corp. Uh, there, there's a company called Ecor R1, which uh, is, you know, they own quite a bit of shares, but they bought 554,000 shares last week. And then uh, Nan Health, which has just got killed. Uh, it was a five, nah, $5 stock is now 250. Uh, I noticed that Patrick Soon Siong, who's the chief executive officer, uh, bought $5 million worth. Um, and then we have Nuvation Bio, which is a biotech that's been going sideways for a pretty long time. Uh, and we had a director, Oleg Notableman, who bought uh, $3 million worth. And then Reneo Pharmaceuticals, which is a new new issue. Uh, we had several directors buy 3,000, matter of fact, two of them. Uh, Neal uh, uh, O'Donnell and Bali Maran, Maralidhar. Uh, Sorry about the name. My apologies. Um, then a couple other names. A tattooed chef, <laughs> uh, which is packaged foods, uh, was a twenty-six dollars stock. It's now eighteen, and I noticed one of the directors bought uh, two point five million dollars worth of stock. And then uh, Nuvation Bio. Uh, um, oh, I'm sorry. This is the other guy. <laughs> uh, Oleg Noodleman bought uh, one point two million dollars. Uh, also, we also had. Uh, uh, Eric Anderson by $300,000 worth of that one, too. Uh, I did notice a couple things. Um, Liquidia Corporation, which was biotechnology, uh, we had one buyer of $500,000, uh, and it's Paul Manning, but uh, there were several buys of that a couple of years ago, a couple of weeks ago, as you may recall, and uh, Roger Jeffs also bought $225,000. So uh, a couple of people who have uh, been buying in the past, uh, you know, we had had some more buys. So, all right, so... Uh, what am I seeing? What, what's going on? Look, I, I think uh, the long-term cycle backdrop remains bullish. Okay, so short-term, uh, we're up the upper end of uh, the S&P 500's channel, and I think you got to uh, remember that. And the bullish sentiment has moved to relatively high levels that we haven't seen um, so far. Uh, and the small-cap pause continues, okay? So that's something you have to pay close attention to. And if I'm looking at growth versus value, value has rebounded from oversold levels in March, but small cap growth is notably struggling to rebound. And so that's that's a that's a big big problem. And, and maybe this we shift over to you know completely to value, who knows? But you look uh we're at an inflection point for rates. Uh, you know we had a 50% retracement level to 1.79 uh heading into uh Next Tuesday's you know reports would be interesting. The Commodity Re Research Bureau Index, uh, you know, we had a, a nice rally, um, and it's only back to resistance though. So, you know, you're you're still looking at some things that I think, um, you know, it, it, it's hard to, you know, but this resistance dates back to 2009 when uh, gold and everything everything else peaked. So. Be interesting to see if it if it goes through that level. If it doesn't, then we have to worry about it. And I, you know, we talked about uh, oil that we were at a resistance level. We stopped there, so it would be. I think, you know, look, there's good support in the low, you know, 54 level, you know, that type of thing. And I think we'll stay there for a while. So stay tuned. We'll we'll let we'll keep you up to date on that one. Um, you know, utilities are trying to bottom. They were up big last week, so it'll be interesting to see. They are bond surrogates, so I don't think you want to be jumping up and down. <laughs> uh, but remember, you want to buy yield when the yield is up and the particular uh, you know asset is down. Okay, so uh, those are some things that you probably should remember. I uh, I think you know um, the, the one thing that it. it it's kind of confounded me a little bit is growth stocks have rebounded from the March lows, but they're already overbought. So they're probably going to pause short term. Um, but I'm seeing staples and utilities rally and bond yields start to come down. Now that would mean, you know, that maybe people are thinking about this tax increase or some of the other, you know, <laughs> Biden cracks me up because he, uh, he said, you know, he would, 
anybody who would, uh, uh, you know, run the country by executive order order is a dictator. And I think we're on 70 now, <laughs> but you know, the stuff he's doing is not extremely positive. I mean, the infrastructure bill, you know, infrastructure is great, but you got to remember that it's guns and butter. Okay. So when you have a scenario where the government's spending more money, the private sector does not spend it. Okay. Because they're going to suck it through us in taxes. And so, you know, that may be what the, the market's looking at going forward. I don't know. I just find it interesting that most of the stocks that were doing well under the Trump tax cuts slowed down drastically as soon as Biden talked about the tax increases that he's talking about. So we'll see. But what really concerns me, I think, is the small cap group pausing because a lot of people are thinking that they're going to lead the way. I don't know if they're going to lead the way if there'll be, uh, you know, more. Um, well, let's just put it this way. It could be a problem if taxes increase. Okay. So we'll just leave it at that. So, you know, I have some short term concerns. Bullish percents at 70. That's a high number. We've been making a series of lower highs. Uh, you know, the, the insiders are, you know, I, I talked about a lot of insiders because I know where to look, but the insider buys are at a low. Insiders are not buying as big as they were four months ago or five months ago. Okay. So we're not seeing the insiders buy. And then, you know, I see a, a, an up 200 day and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of red on my screen. So those are the types of things that I think we have to worry about uh, because we are at 70, you know, um, look, it's a high number on the bullish percent when 70% of the stocks are on, are on a buy signal. You have to be worried. Okay. Uh, you know, it, it just doesn't stay that way for long usually. So, uh, but anyway, I, as for now, the offensive team's on the field. Remember, go to WHK 1420 AM. Uh, go down to Smart Investor Show. By the way, you can listen to all my old shows. We have a lot of good stuff on there that you can get. Uh, dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, the all-cap growth list, uh, the small-cap growth list, which there's been some really good ideas. Our top ideas, our ADR list. That's American Depository Receipts. Good stuff. We also have Money Matters for uh, young professionals, women and wealth, a planning guide, the savvy investors credit workbook, and a business owner's guide to transition planning. It's all available to you. WHK 1420 AM, local podcast down at Tim Hayes. It connects you directly to my webpage. You can hit the you can hit the contact me or email me. In the meantime, it's the weekend. Have a good time. Enjoy yourself. And remember, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Remember, buy low, sell high. Proceeding program's views, claims, or representations for listening may not to the Smart Investor those. Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll free, 888 223 7742. That's 888 223 7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.